exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Ferencu. I will be your host as usual for this next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are we doing on this Monday? Uh, if the wind would die down a little better. Yeah, it's pretty windy outside. It, it said it was 50 water in my car, and it did not feel that warm. I felt like I was freezing. Yeah, the, uh, the wind I'm, was going crazy. I'm also sick. So, so it doesn't help? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I took NyQuil last night at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and 11 o'clock rolled around, and I still didn't want to get out of bed. It hit me that hard. <laughs> That's why I try to never take that stuff before bed, unless I absolutely have to. I needed to. I was having coughing attacks. It was terrible. I got you. Yeah, the wind is pretty crazy out there, so uh, be careful not get blown away, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But we do have a special guest on today's show. The notorious slugger wearing the pinstripes, number two, Stephen A. Rod Jr., Shedlock. That is quite an introduction. You know, I wanted to be on the Asian invasion, but it didn't work out. So I figured this would be a close second. Without a doubt, Steve. Thanks a lot for having you, for coming on the show. Definitely appreciate it. Great to be here with you, Dave. Even nicer to be here with you, Megan. (laughs) He's hating on you. No, he's having a great time. And that's what we're doing. We're just having a great time here, as usual, ladies and gentlemen. But we have a lot to get to on today's show, without a doubt. We're going to be discussing Derek Nix being reinstated to MSU's program here last Thursday after receiving a marijuana possession and being impaired while driving under the influence of marijuana. He has been reinstated back onto the team. We will discuss whether Tom Izzo and the program made the right decision. We'll also be talking about our Detroit Tigers playing in two series this past week against the Tampa Bay Rays and Chicago White Sox. And more importantly, we're going to discuss whether the Tigers are going to run away with the AL Central. A lot of analysts, a lot of fans I know have really thought that since this Prince Fielder acquisition, we are going to just absolutely destroy the AL Central. We'll get into that and what we think about that. Just as well, we'll talk about our Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings now down 2-1 in their series against the Nashville Predators. Game 4 coming up here Tuesday night at Joe Louis Arena. We'll get into the Red Wings and whether they are going to turn this series around and come out with a victory. And just as well, last week, Shea Weber... Had a very vicious uh, play against Henrik Zetterberg. Did not warrant a suspension from disciplinarian Brendan Shanahan. We're going to get into whether he should have been suspended and what we've seen in these NHL playoffs since then. Also talk about the Detroit Pistons. Only six games left in the regular season. Almost done. Should the Pistons be playing their hearts out these final six games? We have lottery selections coming up here soon for the NBA draft as the season ends. We'll get into that. And as well, are the Pistons... Should they stay in Auburn Hills or should they move down to Detroit? We've talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it a little bit again. We have some IndyCar for you. NASCAR, as always, from Megan. Don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is the number. Give us a call all show and let us know what you think. But we're going to start off with Derek Nix being reinstated to MSU's program. Again, Derek Nix last week was charged with operating under the influence of a controlled substance and for possession of marijuana. The possession was under a gram. It was uh, 0.6 grams of marijuana. Uh, He was suspended indefinitely after that incident by Coach Tom Izzo. And we had talked last week, do we think Nix is going to be back with this team? Tom Izzo, a very no-tolerance policy when it comes to this type of behavior. We've seen in the past with Chris Allen, Corey Lucius, and even though this was Nick's first offense, he still had to wonder whether he would be back with the program. Well, this Thursday, uh, this is an article from DetroitNews.com, pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of operating a motor vehicle while impaired, and he appeared at 54B District Court, and the marijuana possession was dismissed. Here is a quote from Derek Nix in regard to what happened. He said, quote, I just want to say it is embarrassing to even have this press conference because I've let down a lot of people. I truly apologize to the program. You know, one bad decision can change a person's life. But, you know, coaches and former players and friends and family all have given me a second chance to come back and finish my basketball career, and I just want to say thank you to all. From this point on, I've got to become a man, make all the right decisions for me and my future here, and to walk the straight line. I realize that I'll be watched now. That is the decision that I made, so that's the life I have to live. 
We know that Izzo was not sure whether, you know, if he was going to bring Knicks back or not. Here's what Tom Izzo said in regard to bringing Derek Nix back to the program. Tom Izzo said, quote, In making my decision to keep Derek under some circumstance that he is going to have to live under, it doesn't change with anything I've done before. It's just this one was a little more public, which makes it a little more embarrassing to the school, to the program, to the players, to him, and unfortunately to his mother. The easy thing for me to do would be to get rid of him. Trust me, it would have been a lot easier. I'm going to definitely make life miserable for him because I want him to be successful, end quote. Do you think the program made the right decision, Megan? Well, first off, I said that he probably wouldn't come back. That was my standing last week. You said he would. Um, looks like you got that one right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, you think I, I agreed with you in the aspect that if they did let him back, that they should keep him under a watchful eye. I think another thing Tom said, I don't know if it's in that article, is that he hasn't ruled out a suspension yet. Yes, very true. Um, which, I honestly, I think he should be suspended for a couple of games if... You know, and I think he agrees. I think he would agree with it if it ended up happening. Mm -hmm. I think he would be like, I deserve it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Bring him back, yeah, I mean, like you said, the easy thing they could have done is gotten rid of him. But obviously I think Izzo has enough faith in him to know that he he can, you know, get his act right. And I think he can do it. And, you know, he just has a lot lot to prove now, but I think he's more than capable of doing so as long as he, you know, stays on a straight path and does what he needs to do. I definitely think it's well. We talked about this last week that if he was going to be allowed back to the program, it was going to be under strict circumstances. He was not going to be able. To, he's not going to be able to misstep in any way, whether it's in regard to being late to class, not showing up to a practice. Any misstep from Derek Nix will, I guarantee you, get him cut from this program. I think him being the only senior coming back to this team had a lot to do with him coming back. That's true. Um, there's no. We need that leadership. He was going to assume the role of Draymond Green here. With Draymond obviously being the senior, he just graduated this past season. It was his first defense. It's something, I think he's a good kid. He made a mistake. I think Izzo made the right call. We talked about it last week. I just, I don't think there's any reason to get rid of this kid and have him finish out his senior year with this hanging over his head. I think it could have a lot of just mentally ill things happen to him. And I'm just very happy to see Derek Nix back. Yes, it says that the staff's working the parameters together, whether they are going to suspend him for a few games. I think he should be suspended for some part of the regular season, some kind of penalty. Steve, I mean, looking at Derek Nix here, again, this is his first offense. Corey Lucius last season had more than one offense. Chris Allen was more of just a detriment to the entire team for a lot of different reasons. Do you like them bringing Derek Nix back? I think absolutely it was the correct decision. I mean, you're you're young. <clears throat> People make mistakes. It, you know, it's it's going to happen in some way. And granted, this is a very big mistake, but I think it's something that you can recover from. And I, I think that with his track record before the incident, it's absolutely the correct decision. Yeah, I mean, he just should be back. I don't think he should punish a guy that strongly. Again, it's it's a big mistake, but even still, I think the driving under the influence that Corey Lucius had last year was worse. This was under the influence of marijuana. Don't get me wrong, that's bad, and you shouldn't be doing that as well. But I think drinking and driving holds a, maybe just a bigger stigma, a bad stigma even, than even just you know being caught with possession of marijuana. And I'm just happy to see that they all they made a decision quickly, that this wasn't, we talked about it last week, we thought it might be two, three weeks. We didn't think it was going to be until graduation. We really didn't think it would be probably till the start of May, and they made a decision, yeah. I think, in a very honorable amount of time, so that Knicks knew where his life was going, mm-hmm. and that this program knew where they were headed. So I'm very happy to see it. And hopefully Nix can toe the line. And I guess that's my last question. Do you think we see any more trouble with Derek Nix the rest of this year? I don't see him doing, if if anything, I don't see him doing anything that will, you know, sacrifice him to the program or whatever. Um, I, I didn't see the actual press conference. I don't know if you did. Um, I was following, like, live tweets in my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. And they said he was tearful. He was remorseful. He was apologizing, you know, upset, clearly. And I'm, I'm hoping that'll be enough. For him to realize that he shouldn't do it, and I think it will be. You know, obviously there's always going to be that, you know, he might go back to it. But after I, I heard his performance at the actual press conference, to me it sounds like he's going to be fine. And he's not going to go back to doing anything wrong, and he's going to do everything he can to prove to be on the team because he was given the second opportunity. Because like we said, Izzo has almost .00001 tolerance for this kind of crap. And he was given the opportunity. He's back. Uh, Derek Nix, wish the guy all the best in the world. I think he'll be fine here the rest of the way. Seems to be a really great kid. And hopefully Izzo and obviously Mark Hollis and the entire program, gets they have, they've gotten behind him. We saw guys like Mateen Cleef show up, Draymond mm-hmm. Green for this press, press conference, You know, even ex-players to show their support 
for Derek Nix. So that was a great thing to see. It's a family here at Michigan State. And let's just move forward from here and have a great season. There's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So good stuff there. We're going to move to the Detroit Tigers now. The Detroit Tigers playing uh, two series last week. They had the day off last Monday. And then they stayed at Comerica Park for their second series of the season against the Tampa Bay Rays. A team that had just swept the New York Yankees in their opening series. Tampa Bay, a very good defensive team. They really get wins doing the basics. They've never had a big you know, offensive powerhouse type team ever. But they do the little things correctly, which gives Joe Maddon's club always a good opportunity to win ball games. Uh, the series opener on Tuesday night was a nice victory for the Tigers, 5-2 to two win. The game I want to talk about really fast was Wednesday's game against the Tampa Bay Rays. Justin Verlander started in this ball game, and Justin was looking amazing through most of this entire game. Through eight innings, giving up no earned runs at all this game. He had been absolutely a monster. Seven strikeouts, only gave up four hits, doing a great job. Got into a lot of trouble there in the eighth, and he ended up only going eight and a third Again, giving up four earned runs when all was said and done. He left the game with two runners stranded, so he was charged those two extra earned, earned runs. Tigers get the loss 4-2 with four runs and coming in the ninth inning. Looking at this game quickly, Steve, did Verlander really just get too loose in this game? Did he let it go? It was a you know We had a 2-0 lead here going into the ninth inning with Verlander, uh, in the eighth inning, excuse me, with uh, ninth inning, sorry, with Verlander still on the mound. What happened here? It's kind of a tough decision. If, if you look at it, Verlander had 81 pitches after the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. If he had, say, 95 pitches, he's probably pulled. We bring in the closer, Valverde, and probably win the game. Leland chose to stick with him, and I think it was the correct decision. But unfortunately, he just got a little off in the ninth, and that happens. I mean, even Verlander, who's going to have great game after great game, is going to get hit at certain times. He's going to get a little wild at certain times, and I, I think there was no way around what happened, and it's just a loss, but it probably should have been a win. It probably should have. I think Verlaine, he pitched he pitched a heck of a ball game up to that point. If I'm assuming you probably caught this. It was a really battle. Shields and Verlander both were duking it out. I think it was a great game, great pitching duel this entire run. Uh, Verlander did get into some trouble, but when all is said and done, you know, Tigers get a tough loss. I'm not worried about Verlander. You look at the next game here in the in the series. Detroit gets right back on track with a nice seven to two victory Thursday to win the series two to three over the Tampa Bay Rays, which was a very nice job. Still, after this point, a Tigers pitcher hadn't gotten a win. No starter, excuse me, no starting pitcher had a win for the Detroit Tigers through two straight series already. We move on to Chicago, to the windy city of Chicago, with the White Sox, who people think ah they're gonna have an off year. Team's not doing too great. They lost Burley. They lost, they lost uh, you know, Edwin Jackson. I don't think they're going to have an off year at all. No off year for you? I think Chicago is probably going to be our main competition, but I could see any of the teams in our division putting up quite a bit of a fight this year. So you think Chicago more so than any of the others? So. I think Chicago is the one with the best chance, yeah. Okay. I mean, looking at this series over the weekend, and that's kind of why we're talking about this. Tigers lost their first two games 5-2 to two, with PV on the, mind, on the mound in the first game, doing a great job. Floyd gets the win for Chicago, 5-1. to one, Bats silenced in this series. Miguel Cabrera, 0-16, doesn't even get a hit. Total in this entire series, they finally get a victory on Sunday 5-2 to two, with a great outing from Rick Porcello. Who do you worry about in the AL Central to make some noise in competition here with the Tigers, Megan? I agree with him, and I've talked to multiple people about this, and they're saying, even even White Sox fans, they're like, well, I think the Tigers are going to win, but I, I would be content with them taking second, you know, the White Sox. And I, I think, you know, they gave us some trouble this weekend. It is early in the season. I mean, we're only in our second, that was only our third series, third sorry. Third series, yep. Um, I just, you know, it's the, what do they call it, the broadcaster's curse, where they, they'll say something like, Tigers have gone 18 for 22 against the White Sox in the last 22, you know, times they played each other, and then we lose two in a row. You know, Mario and Pemba, you just want to slap them across the face. Um, <laughs> but, no, yeah, I, I think they're going to be the team that we um, we probably have the most trouble with. There aren't many other teams out there that I, I think we're going to struggle against. So, I you're just, not, so you're not worried about Kansas City, not worried about Cleveland, not worried about Minnesota? No. <laughs> not at all. We got nothing at all. You said you think all four of these teams could have a shot at really making a run at Detroit. Yeah, Chicago, the front runner. But talk a little bit more about Kansas City, Cleveland, and Minnesota. Well, Kansas City, I mean, obviously they have a very young team. Their their farm system is lauded as probably one of the best in baseball, if not the best. And it's really only a matter of time before they're contending. 
Cleveland won 81 games last year. So, you know, a few different things go their way, maybe a late, you know, acquisition here and there. I could easily see them contending. And everyone's ruling out Minnesota, but if you look at it, they still have Maurer. They still have Morneau. All it's going to take is these guys to perform like they always have before the last season and a half or so. And they're going to be right there. I mean, they still have solid pitching in Pavano, Baker. You know, if Liriano ever gets his self straight. Ever. Liriano gets destroyed when the Tigers seem to play him. Oh, he seems to get destroyed all the time (laughs) now. But he still (laughs) threw a no-hitter last year. He did. And he he was one of the best pitchers in baseball not more than three years ago. Very true. I mean, my my problem with everyone thinking the Tigers are going to run away with this is even looking back to last year, I did some research looking back to very late in the season. You go all the way back to August 10th, with just six weeks remaining in the regular season, the Tigers had a four-game lead over the Chicago White Sox. It's not a huge lead. With six weeks left, there's a lot of games. And yeah, you know, four games isn't a little lead, and it's not a huge lead. It's right in between. But bottom line is this team, the Detroit Tigers, won the final 22 of their 28 games, which really gave them that 15-game blowout in the American League Central. I think a lot of people seem to forget this team played at a 79% win percentage rate the final 28 games of the season. This was a battle for a lot of the season, and it just got blown open basically in the month of September. This was a close race the entire time. I just don't believe anybody should overlook I do don't I really don't give Minnesota a lot. I'm gonna tell you most I don't, people don't. Minnesota, they are the bottom dogs to me in this division. But Cleveland, Chicago for sure, and you know Minnesota. I'm not Minnesota. Excuse me. The um, the Royals. You don't know what you're gonna get out of them. It's always good divisional matchups when we play each other, as we've seen here in this last series. You can't take any for anything for granted, even with having Prince Fielder. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one thing with Chicago, too, they have Dunn, who hit 159. I mean, I think, Dave, you could even hit 140, maybe 130. This is what we're talking about, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn did nothing last year. Exactly. Nothing. And and then you have Rios, who's also extremely highly paid, did practically nothing. Um, You're going to have second base Beckham, who's probably one of their top talents and had a terrible year. All of their guys that they were counting on had terrible years last year, and they were still in the fight. So I could definitely see them turn it around and give us a lot of trouble this year. That's all I'm trying to say is that all the fans, I think, we're all very excited to have Prince Fielder. I mean, you, you were at opening the, uh, not opening day, but you were at the game on, was it Saturday or Sunday last week? Uh, Sunday. So yeah, you were on Sunday's crazy 13-12. to 12, Avila's home Avila walk-off. walk-off. I think that obviously sparked every fan in Tiger Nation to think, we are going to dominate what goes on. You look at the Chicago series... Those bats were silenced. And it was some of our best hitters that were silenced in Cabrera not getting a hit the entire series in Chicago. I think Cabrera will be fine. He's now batting about two forty eight on the season. Cabrera will figure it out. But to think that there are no starting pitchers or no bullpens out in the league that can't stop and slow down the Detroit Tigers, I think that's ridiculous. So I just think we need to keep it in context. I do believe the Tigers will win the American League Central, but let's not think this team is going to have some 10-game lead most of the way through this season, that's very, very crazy thinking. I don't know. It's putting it out there a little too much. This is baseball. It's a long season. Teams are going to have their ups and downs. We saw the Tigers had a very rough start to their season last year. They didn't start well at all until they figured it out later in the season. So any team can kind of have that type of up and down uh, up and down uh, season. So I guess it's just a waiting game now. Plus it's still the beginning of the season. Yeah, we're nine games in. That's why it's tough. I'd like to sit here and say, yeah, we're going to run away with it. But, you know, we haven't seen much from all the teams yet. Yeah. They've only played three different teams so far. I mean, there's what? Only 153 <laughs> games left? <I laughs> only. Guess. Only 153? I mean, we go through what? October? September? I mean, it end, the regular season will end like September 30th, September, September yeah. 28th, something like that. And then you'll start playoffs right there. So It's April. <laughs> it's still April in the D. April. <laughs> okay, still April in the D with another okay kind of stupid song. I was going to say, this song for. is... At least getting... they don't play it as often as at last year's. That they makes even, me happy. He even chose a good song in years. They're getting worse every year, too. They really are just bad. They're bad. I mean, how, how many groups do they decide on before they're, okay, let's go with this I think it's rock a band we've never heard of? I think it's a competition, actually. I think people submit it. I don't they... even think they watch our submission, Dave. Yeah, they missed our whole jam out. <laughs> No, we are just kidding. I mean, seriously, we could have thrown it together in a garage, okay, I think a little bit better than they could have done. But 
Let's get some better songs out there for April and the D guys. And I agree with your point. They're not doing it as often. I'm happy. It was peppered last year. Every time I think of the April and the D song, I think of the one last year because it was way overplayed. I can't even remember what like this year sounds like yet. It's gonna take me probably the whole the whole month. It's not stuck in my head head yet either. No, last year's is. I know, know. that's what I'm saying this year too. (laughs) It's not there yet. Let's hopefully it never gets to that point. Looking ahead for the Tigers, the Tigers are going to be facing off against the Kansas City Royals to finish up their uh, six-game road trip. Uh, Detroit will face off tonight. Verlander versus Duffy should be a very good matchup of two very good pitchers. Duffy, a very young guy, but looking very good out there at a very young age. And Verlander as well, looking to get his first victory of the season. Now 0-1 on the season after his loss Wednesday, April 11th there, blowing that 2-0 lead. The Tigers will face off Tuesday and Wednesday as well against Kansas City. Smiley will go against Chen on Tuesday, and Scherzer will take on um, Hochivar. Is that how you say it? Hockeyvar? I think it's Hoshever. Hoshever? I always mess that one up. Hoshever? We'll, I'll know on Wednesday. I'll say it once Mario Rod say it. But uh, nonetheless, they'll take on each other there. And then on Thursday, we'll have a very big four-game series at Comerica Park against the Texas Rangers. Adam Wilk will start off against Harrison there. Then we'll have Porcello versus Hugh Darvish. Should be a very good matchup. Verlander will take on Naftali Feliz, who has moved into the starting rotation. And Smiley will take on Lewis. Should be a great four-game series Thursday through Sunday. Tigers against the Texas Rangers. Kansas City tonight, first pitch, 8-10. If you want to check that out, that game will be on Fox Sports Detroit if you would like to watch it. We are going to... No, actually, before we go to break, there was something that we did want to talk about. Center fielders in baseball. The good, the bad, the ugly. Steve, you brought together some notes here regarding our center fielder. And please just tell our audience a little bit about Austin Jackson. Well, one of the things you've heard since we've got Austin Jackson is, man, sure wish we had Granderson, you know, if we had the 40 home runs from Granderson. But I think people underrate Austin Jackson's defensive ability. Um, I I was looking at the Bill James handbook. For those who know, Bill James is a a statistician that basically studies baseball and pretty much does nothing else, I assume. He does the, uh, the Fielding Bible Awards, where they take a group of experts and they vote for who's the best um, fielder at each position in the major leagues. And this year, Austin Jackson won number one. Um, out, of, out of nine of their experts, he was in the top three for every single one of them, and the fans picked Austin Jackson fifth. So it kind of goes with what I, what I think in that his defense is extremely underrated, and it may even be that he's the best defensive center fielder in baseball. If you look at some of the sabermetric defensive stats, he's he's at the top of the league in his first two seasons as far as how many plays he makes compared to the average fielder. And and he's only earning half a million a year doing this. It's so cheap. So Nothing. So we're getting gold glove quality center field play, and I don't even think people realize it's happening because he doesn't have to make the you know the spectacular dive. His, his jumps on the ball are so good that he doesn't have to make the highlight play. And that's a good point, and that's something that you see on sports a lot when they're doing their top tens. It's always Granderson making a bad jump to the ball, having to turn around in midair, make some spectacular-looking leap, where the better center fielder just gets to the ball a lot easier. Those leaps sure are cool, though. <laughs> yeah, they make their top ten on ESPN, and they look great, but at the same time, don't let that convince you that somehow Granderson's necessarily a better center fielder when the quicker guy who takes the better route to the ball and makes just a more average-looking catch is the guy who's actually playing better for you in center. And I do want to mention that in the voting, you know, each of the experts picked their top ten. Granderson did not appear in one person's top ten for the center field position. Wow. Not one? <laughs> so, not one. Food for thought there. Even the fan poll, Granderson wasn't even in the top ten. Wow. That's insane. But I, I love Granderson. I don't want to talk bad about him. He's an excellent hitter, but Jackson's defensive abilities are worlds better. I completely agree. And what we're seeing so far this year is Austin Jackson is really starting to figure out how to hit that hit that ball. His batting average is way better this season. I know we're nine games into the season. That's going to fluctuate, but his on-base percentage. Yeah, real quick, he's batting four twelve right now, on-base five twelve, and he's leading the Tigers in OPS with uh, 1.159. And that's very impressive. He's already had many multi-hit games. He's gotten that leg kick almost gone. He's got a half leg kick. It's a semi-leg kick now. But he really looks comfortable at the plate, taking a lot more pitches, really being patient. 
uh, drawing walks and not swinging at pitches that he would be chasing many other times, usually throughout ball games. And I think that's the great thing to see. Megan, I know I mentioned Cabrera. A friend of mine was saying, Cabrera, this guy, I'm worried about him. I'm worried. He should, and his thing wasn't that he was, you know, didn't have a hit the entire series against the White Sox. It was his body language. It was the look on his face on Saturday and Sunday when he just kept not being able to get on base. I know you got this puzzled look like, who were you talking to? <laughs> who did you speak with? But in any way, are you worried about Miguel Cabrera? Heck no. Okay. Who would be? What I wanted, I was going to cut you off with the Sports Center top 10 thing. What I wanted to be in the not top 10 is Cabrera making them fix the batter's box because Chicago made it six inches oh, that was too awesome. short. You know, that just shows how, you know, he knows things. He knows that this is where he stands. He he doesn't try to adjust himself because the the batter's box was too short. But no, I'm not I'm not worried about him at all. Um, he's one of those people too that yeah he's a great powerhouse batter, um, but he fluctuates. Sometimes he'll have a game where he doesn't have one hit, and then I'll have a game where he has like six hits. It just that's really a, a heck of a ball game. That's six hits. I know, right? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of oh, of course, overdoing it. But you know, but no, I which mean, I mean, it's a hitter. Yeah. He's going to go through his slumps. It's good. Up, every ups every and downs. guy does. Like like you said, Verlander. He's going to have a loss. He's not perfect. I mean, no. he's not God for to say. You know, maybe for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. But um, every every good person has their slump, and it's just it's a part of sports. It happens to everybody. Uh, you can have an awesome season, and the next season maybe you're just kind of average, or you're not doing as well. Like Austin Jackson. I mean, he was runner-up for Rookie of the Year, and then last year he can barely hit. And now he's starting to figure it out. And now he's starting to figure it out again. It just it really really depends. The, the main thing with Miguel Cabrera is the fact that he didn't get a hit in the White Sox series, because I don't really put any basis on that. Not too much at all. It is body language. You just have to hope that mentally... Ball players check out at times, and especially when they get into slumps, you know, that it can just seem like an overachievable feat to get a hit. Mm-hmm. Once you've gone over 16 at-bats without one, what bothers you more, him going over 16 in this series or that look on his face like, when am I going to get a hit again? Neither of those things bother me at all. I mean, you're going to have even your best hitters are going to go through slumps. And, you know, there's no question about his effort because if he didn't care, he wouldn't have been so willing to move to third base at the start of the year. Very true. And I don't worry about his focus at the plate because you don't hit 347 and win the batting title without having intense focus every single at bat. Miguel Cabrera, you will be fine. (laughs) You will be very fine. Again, the the Detroit Tigers will face off against Kansas City Royals. 8-10 is your start time here. Verlander versus Duffy should be a great outing. If you'd like to catch that, that game will be on Fox Sports Detroit. We are going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we come back, we're going to delve into the league of the NHL. We're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings and their series here with the Nashville Predators. And does Shea Weber, did he deserve a suspension for his play against Henrik Zetterberg in Game 1? And what we have seen through the rest of these playoffs so far, how maybe that's not that non-suspension warranted some guys to kind of go a little crazy. Phone number is 517-432-3893. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Rap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids, and they were doing nothing, when suddenly... That's a personal foul, an active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping, and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81. Snack on fruits and veggies. 
It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back here to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave, Megan, and A-Rod Jr. here with us for just 30 more minutes. And uh, we're going to get into the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings played Game 3 at Joe Louis Arena here on Sunday. Back to the Joe, back to a place where they had the best home winning record in the entire NHL. 31-7-3, absolutely dominating at Joe Louis Arena. The series was all knotted up after a series-tying victory on Friday night <laughs> out there at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. Series all knotted up, home ice back to Detroit, playing at Joe Louis where they have dominated all year. But Detroit got off to a slow start, got down one nothing in this game, then 2 nothing. Penalties really derailing Detroit from getting any continuity throughout this entire hockey game. The Red Wings did make it 2-1 to one and almost 2-2 two to two at the end of the second period with a puck that literally missed crossing the goal line by thousands of tenths of a second. So close, you had to, you barely could tell. But with the technology we have nowadays, they had it down to, to a tee, and the puck did not cross in time, and the goal was disallowed. It was the correct call, a bemoaning call, obviously. This game being tied up going into the third would have had a much different feel to it than being 2-1. to one. But with four minutes left in the third period, Nashville took advantage of the constant pressure that the Red Wings had been putting on them. And Sergei Kostitsin got the gold, put it up 3-1, to one, even though Henrik Zetterberg did make it 3-2 to two with 50 seconds left in the third period. It was not enough for the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings now 2-1 and one in this series with the Nashville Predators. They'll be playing Tuesday night in Game 4 at Joe Louis Arena. Now the Red Wings outplayed and outshot the Nashville Predators, not only in the third period, but this entire game. Third period alone, they outshot the Predators 19-4. to 43-22 were the shots for the game. Almost double digit, they outshot them by. But the one thing about this series is that the team that's had more shots on net has lost each game. It's a very gritty series. It's been a very tough series. Megan, this game on Tuesday must win. They're down 2-1 in this series right now. They need to get a victory at Joe Louis Arena. I think the Predators still are going to lose, uh, are going to win this series in seven games. Do you see anything else changing here with Game 4 coming up and this being a must-win victory? Do the Wings right the ship in that aspect? At least going back to Nashville, tied up two apiece, and we'll see. And then it's just a three-game series, best of three from there. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to think. I mean, watching these, you know, I don't like, I don't watch a lot of hockey, but I did watch these games. Exactly. That's why I'm asking. I know. Um, the one thing I just saw with them, you, you were talking about penalties. Every time I look up, it was like a five on three and we had three and they had five and that's, you know, you can't be doing that all the time. Um, but other than that, I like you said, their their home record was so good. So if they do home go, record, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. They do go two and two, go back to Nashville it's going to be tough for them, I think, to win the series. You know, they if they would have won uh, the the last game at at the Joe, and then they were going to win this one Tuesday, and we're up three three. Well, if they got if they got up three one, then I'd be a little well, bit more, you know, yay. I would be much <laughs> much know. more calm. Right, exactly. So it's it's going to be a tough series for them. I think the one thing they need to do is work on the penalties. Um, I don't know if they will, because like you said, it's been a really really tough series. I I've noticed a couple of the the series of games that have been going on have been pretty they've been pretty physical physical, physical yeah. is a great way to put it yeah they've been pretty physical so that's that's the only thing you know i think they need to work on that instead of getting five and three situations where they have to stay on one side of the the ice every single time you know just protecting their goal protecting make sure they don't score and all that kind of thing if they can do that and keep it five on five maybe make nashville commit a couple penalties we good to go and take advantage of you know power plays that detroit has detroit is three of 14 on the power play in this series right now. They've done a great job against the Predators. Uh, the Predators came into this series with the best power play in the NHL, almost 22%. They only have one power play goal in 16 power plays. They've done The Wings have done a great job in shutting that down. They've had, they've had three five-on-threes, like you were mentioning, which they've killed them off, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing that much of a game shorthanded, it doesn't matter if you're necessarily killing them off. You can't be offensively aggressive enough to be able to score goals and win games. 
Steve, looking at this series right now, 2-1 Detroit, I mean 2-1 Nashville, can the Wings pull this out? No, they cannot. No, they cannot. Well, maybe that maybe that's a little strong, but uh, just just looking at it and you know looking at two games left at Detroit and two games in Nashville, I just really my gut's going to say Predators on this. I also agree with you and think they're going to do it in Game Seven. I think it's going to be a long series. I've, I thought that from the start. Just long. It's this is a very good series, but the difference maker is Pekka Rene. And I've said this before, it's going to come down to the goaltenders matching up, and Pekka Rene is playing better than Jimmy Howard. It's the bottom line. Jimmy Howard only having 20 saves in Game 3 here. When you look at Pekka Rene, he had 41 saves. He was dominant in goal, and he has shown it throughout this entire series. This is hockey, and you can say the puck just hasn't bounced Detroit's way, but that's hockey, okay? It's not always like in the NBA, where a lot of the times a, dis- a winner's just decided more handedly. It's more obvious Obvious in hockey, puck can bounce off a skate. You saw what happened in Game 3 of the goal disallowed by thousands again of a tenth of a, a second. So you don't know. But we're going to go to the phone lines and see if somebody else has an opinion. Hey, how you doing? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, good evening, everybody. This is uh, Paul from Detroit calling. What's going on, Paul? Well, uh, first of all, I just want to point out that I think is Steve over there is wrong uh, regarding the Red Wings. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, then you must think I'm wrong, too, because I think the Wings are going to lose as well. Where do I begin? I don't know, but please get going. I, you know, I just have to say that uh, the difference in the series is really the uh, the power plays. I mean, the Red Wings have done such a great job killing, what, 16 power plays? Well, they've killed 15 of them, and they've allowed one power play goal. That's the difference. I mean, they're the number one power play unit in, with uh, the Predators in the, in the regular season. They got only they only scored one power play goal. We could be down three nothing, but you know what? I mean, with the Red Wings, with with our with our skill, and we're sitting back killing penalties all the time. It's hard to go on the attack. And you know what? At game two, you know, I I told my friend, I said, you know what? I said game two, if the re- if the referees just you know don't call a lot of penalties, more five on five. Hockey, I think the Red Wings are going to win, and they played a great game too. Passing was crisp. They they, they won that. They were up what two nothing in the first period. Yep. And then game three, the the passing uh, is like four feet behind everybody. I mean, they're just out of they looked out of sync to me in game three. <clears throat> Excuse me. So well, let me ask you this then, Paul. What do you disagree with then with me and Steve? Because from what I hear from you, you don't have too much confidence in these Red Wings then. Well, you know, uh, you know, I think the Red Wings can actually pull this series out. I think they can pull it out in seven games. How do they pull it out, though? Because that's great. They can. You know what? You know, I can become an astronaut if I try hard. But how will the Red Wings get it done? Well, they got to stay out of the penalty box. Of course, that's okay. the, old, the old saying. They got it. They got it. And, and our best players got to step up and score goals. We're not scoring goals. And. Um, and when we do when we do rally, it's always late. We're down by two. All of a sudden, we have to get one, and then we're in a hurry to try to tie. And it's we have to do like we have to play like game two. Our passing has to be there, and uh, and we have to go on the attack, say, oh, the penalty box, and I guarantee we'll win. I think uh, the Red Wings more skilled team than, than Nashville. Nashville, they got to put the uh, dump the puck down low. They got to use their big force to punish our defense. We don't need to do that. We can carry the puck over the blue line. We can carry it in. And uh, I think I think we can I think we can win. Howard's played pretty well. I mean, he's kept us he kept us uh, really in the series all these with all those power plays. Oh yeah, I think Howard's done a good job. I just think uh, Renee has been better. I think he's been a better goalie overall. And I think again, Renee is going to be that the difference factor there. He's... Uh, Renee, he looks shaky. Uh, shaky in what two. way? He was. Uh, the only face was it game was it game two was it yeah he he let in a couple soft ones in game two yeah he let in a couple soft ones and if you look at Howard Howard only had twenty saves in game three so as I said the shot well he had a breakaway a breakaway the guy scored on him in a breakaway I mean what I mean well then yeah the defense is to blame there bottom line I think Nashville's a hungrier team and I don't see the Red Wings cleaning up these penalties they've already you can already tell in this series that they've decided to not let them just play. That they're gonna they, seven penalties apiece in game one for both teams. We've seen a lot of penalties called in all of these games. I don't see that changing. Unfortunately, yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, what happened? What's going on? The referees decide to call. They're calling a lot of ticky tack stuff too, though. You know, it's like you got to let some of that go. I mean, like they say in football, you can call a holding penalty on every play. 
But uh, but the, you got to call the obvious stuff, and just because a guy might tug on your jersey a little bit here or there, you don't have to call call a hold. A hold. I agree, or, Paul. You know I mean, you got to let them grind it out. I know. I can hear the angst in your voice. But uh, Paul, I'm gonna have to let you go. We're gonna have to move on. But I uh, appreciate the phone call. Alrighty. All right. Thank you. Alright. Bye. Bye. You know, I'm glad Paul has faith in the wings. But remember, that's Paul from Detroit. From Detroit. That's right. The city where the Red Wings were built. <laughs> that makes any sense. But uh, the Detroit Red Wings will face off Tuesday night at Joe Louis Arena for their Game 4. That game will be on NBC Sports, and uh, the puck will drop at 7.30. Their next game will then be at Nashville on Friday. That uh, game will start at 8 o'clock. And if there is a Game 6 and 7, Game 6 will be Sunday at Joe Louis against the Nashville Predators, and then Tuesday would be your final Game 7 at Nashville. Could be the decider. I think it's going 7 but we will see. Should be a great series. All of these games ending 3-2. to two. With Nashville getting Game 1, Wings getting Game 2, and Nashville getting the best of the Wings Game 3, 3-2. to two. We're going to talk, though, about something that happened in Game 1 of this game. Shea Weber, who is the all-star defenseman for the Nashville Predators, decided that Henrik Zetterberg's head looked good on a pane of glass. With five seconds left in the third period, in a game that was already decided... Nashville was going to win this game. He grabbed Zetterberg when they were in the corner and smashed his head into the glass two consecutive times, getting him a penalty, and he ended up receiving a $2,500 fine from uh, Brendan Shanahan, who is the disciplinarian of the NHL. No suspension here for Shea Weber. Again, he is the best defensive player, one of the best defensive players in the league and easily the best one for the Nashville Predators. I think we've all seen this play. Zetterberg's head smashed into the glass. Zetterberg ends up being okay. No concussion, no cut, no problem, no suspension. Did Shea Weber deserve a suspension for what he did to Henrik Zetterberg? I think he absolutely did. I mean, I, you know, I don't watch a lot of hockey, but <clears throat> I've seen boarding. I've seen different fights. I've seen a lot of different things. But to forcibly ram someone's head against the glass like that, I don't really know if I've seen many things that malicious, especially considering there's five seconds left in a game that's pretty much decided. So I think he absolutely should have been suspended. How many games? Well, I mean, looking at the other suspensions in the playoffs, I I wouldn't go three, but I would strongly lean to two and probably end up just with a one-game suspension. Probably end up with just one-game suspension. Uh, Megan, looking at this play, it it wasn't a hockey play. This wasn't a check that just, you know, kind of hit the guy the wrong way. This was very goon-like behavior in a lot of ways. He grabs uh, for no reason. Zetterberg smashes his head into the glass. Zetterberg, again, ends up being fine. Should he have been suspended here? I think so. Um, Like you said, I can understand if he went to check the guy, or went to check Zetterberg to get the puck. And for some reason, it hit him in the face. He, like, ran into the glass. But obviously, if it was intentional, um, he obviously had some intent of hurting him. There was obviously, he wanted to hurt him. He wanted to do something. He wanted to do something to him. He wanted, I don't even know if he wanted to give him a concussion or if he wanted to make a point about something. I don't know what about. But um, I think he should have gotten a suspension, for sure. You agree kind of with Steve around yeah, one to two games? one to two games. Yeah, I mean, it's bad, but I don't think it's so bad that, like, you knocked him over and then you attempted to, like, stab him with your skate or something, you, you know? slit his wrist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something so, insane. That would be something that would be obviously a lot worse. But... Yeah, that'd be like a two-game suspension. <laughs> at least. At least a three, I mean. If you're going to, you know, open up someone's veins, at least, you know, <laughs> you see blood. you got to add a couple games. But I want to hear from our listeners. Did Shea Weber deserve a suspension here? And we're also going to get into more how Brendan Shanahan not giving him suspension has maybe affected other things in the league. Phone number is 517-432-3893 is the number. Because Senior Vice President of Player Safety, uh, Player Safety Shanahan said, no, we're not going to give him a suspension. He spoke with Detroit. Detroit said, hey, Ken Holland told him, Zetterberg's fine. Zetterberg does not have any injuries. He's not going to miss any time here in the game. Just because he didn't hurt him, though. That's the only reason? And this is what we're going to get to, and here's the real deal. Because in Saturday's games here that happened, we've seen suspensions being laid down. Matt Karkner, who decided to go after Brian Boyle. This is the Rangers and the Senators series. One seed New York Rangers, eight seed Ottawa Senators. Matt Karkner decides to go after Brian Boyle and punches Brian Boyle three times when he's just on the ice not even trying to have a fight. There was never any gloves dropped by both players. 
and an instigating you know, type of fight. He decided to hit him while he was down on the ground. He ends up receiving a two-game suspension here, and that suspension will be imposed on the upcoming games. This happened Saturday night. In the same game before this play, Carl Hagelin hits Daniel Alfredson. Alfredson gets hit in the head with an elbow. Alfredson, who has not come back, he's been injured, he hasn't played yet since, he got a three-game suspension, Carl Hagelin. And then in an earlier series between the Los Angeles Kings and the Vancouver Canucks, Kyle Clifford got boarded by Byron Bitts. Byron Bitts coming in when uh, Kyle Clifford was already with the player. He gets his head slammed into the glass with a check. Bitts ends up getting a two-game suspension for this. With no suspension for Shea Weber, did these players decide to just, hey, if they're not going to suspend Shea, we can get away with more. See, I, I don't think that the lack of suspension on Weber played in anybody's minds at all. I, I think with the speed of the game, I highly doubt there was any thought to that. However, I will say if the Weber-Zetterberg incident happened after all of these games, I feel Shanahan would have had no choice but to give some kind of a suspension with the precedent set. Most likely. But let's go to the phone lines real fast and we'll get back into that. Hey, how's it going? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, John? Uh, I, I know it's you from the second you call in, so... <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Well, were you listening? Yeah, I was listening. I just wanted to know, uh... You're talking about the Zetterberg thing? Come on, guys, let's wake up. I mean, I've been watching hockey for a long time. You know what we need? We need to get back to the old fundamentals. We need to get back to the enforcers that need to be out there instead of everybody doing everything. Because now you've got a bunch of kids out there like they're wrestling. Okay, we need enforcers out there. Not, I mean, you see Crosby the other day? I mean, what is he? I mean, I actually seen him swinging his fist. Yeah, because the Penguins can't score a goal, so they figure they try to fight their way out of that series. I mean, the thing is, it's out of control. There's too many people talking about too many things. Let the players play. Let the get the enforcers back out there, and and let it go back to the old time hockey the way it used to be. Yeah, but you speak of old time hockey, and just real fast. I mean, some of these plays we're talking about. This isn't just about enforcer and the guy, you know, being out there to protect his, you know, captains. It was an elbow shot to the head, which has caused their star player, Alfredson, for the Senators, to not be able to play for now. Um, you see that, you know, a guy who's on the ground, Brian Boyle, being punched. This isn't a fight on two legs, a piece. The guy's on the ground. He's not even trying to fight. The thing is, is I know one thing. I know that if there are, if you're going to be accountable, then you better watch what you're doing. And, you know, it seems as though nobody's accountable because there's nobody that's going to step into the ring and they're going to say, no, you're going to be accountable for what you're doing. And this guy, Paul, that called in, I agree with him. I mean, Detroit does have a lot of talent, and I really think that they're going to take the Predators. And, and, you know, it it might not seem like it, but I think they're going to take them. And real quick, John, last question. You from Metro Detroit? Yeah. That's what I thought. All right, John, I just want (laughs) to thank you a lot. Don't give me that on Metro Detroit. No, that's that's the Metro Detroit love burning through. John sounds unbiased to me. I'm a fan. Yes, I am. But you know what? Just because that we're not showing it, and I really don't believe it, but yet I think that with our talent, we can pull it off. Well, John, I appreciate the uh, you know uplifting feeling here we have for the Red Wings, and hopefully and you and Paul are correct. Old-time hockey, back to where the enforcers were out there, like Probert coach, this, this stuff wouldn't be happening right now. And maybe That's if there wasn't there. as much fighting, Probert wouldn't be dead at 46, but we will get to that as well. I want to thank you a lot for the call, John. Always welcome. All right. All right, later. All right, bye-bye. But in regard to the NHL, and at least the Red Wings real fast, I don't think a Red Wings fan in Metro Detroit will believe the Wings will lose this series until it's 4-something. to something. No fan will admit it. it. They can be down 3-1 to one if they lose, and I still got a chance. That's uh, the Red Wings fan for you. But just real fast, back to fighting. I mean, you know, you saw these plays that happened. All the suspensions of different magnitudes, three games, two games, one game. Shouldn't Brendan Shannon have had more consistency with his suspensions? Well, you know, I'm not very familiar with all the calls Shanahan's made. Since well, no, the, been... the three calls we talked about just in the postseason here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you just look at the penalties given out, it seems he's going more based on the level of injury as opposed to the intent and the nature of the incident itself. And I just think that's the wrong way to approach it. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing, and that's why people are calling out the Shea Weber thing, because Henrik Zetterberg was not hurt, and that's why when he called Ken Holland and he told him, Zetterberg's fine, 
I think that's when you decided I'm not going to give him that game suspension. And I, I don't think that should matter when you're slamming some guy's head into the glass like that, especially considering the other suspensions given for, you know, things that could have been attempts at clean checks that maybe just went wrong, like, you know, like the boarding incident that uh, Bits got, You know, Bits on Kyle Clifford. I, the thing with this uh, Shea Weber play was that it was the least hockey-like play. All mm-hmm. these other plays happened in game time while things were just, you know, the fast pace of hockey. Shea Weber's goon-like behavior was just that. He was taking a guy and smashing his head up against the glass for no good reason. In a game that was already won, this wasn't the first period, This wasn't there wasn't bad blood from the previous game, and Ty Bertuzzi made sure to know in game two, with only about three minutes into the first period, I'm going to let Shea Weber know what's up. And they fought it out, and there you go, John, the enforcers are back. But uh, looking at the uh, NHL other series real fast, the Los Angeles Kings are in route to top the President's Cup trophy winner, the Vancouver Canucks. The LA Kings are up 3-0 in their series against the Canucks, so it might be another quick exit for a number one seed and a President's Cup winner yet again this season. San Jose and St. Louis are all knotted up at one game apiece after uh, St. Louis got a victory here Saturday night to even the series up. Chicago has evened up their series with the Phoenix Coyotes. The Chicago Blackhawks scoring with five seconds left in the third to force overtime and then score in overtime to even up the series with the Phoenix Coyotes. The Ottawa Senators and the Rangers all knotted up at one game apiece as well. Same with the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. And the same again with the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers. All of these series are at 1-0 except for Detroit, Nashville and Kings Canucks. Did you get a chance to see any of that Philly and uh, Pittsburgh? I heard about it. I didn't get. I, I didn't get to see it, but I was on my Facebook, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, this game is so awesome!" Like everyone was just going Ton, after each other. Tons of fighting. Yeah. Tons of going after each other. Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, I think Lou Ferrigno's head could probably play goalie better than Mark Andre Fleury right now. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Thirty-two combined goals in this in three games only between the Flyers and the Pittsburgh Pen- Penguins. I'll say it again. That's thirty-two. In hockey, combined goals. Eight goals scored the last two games by the Flyers. And in game number two, two hat tricks on the same team for the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers have already scored 20 goals, up 3-0 in this series. Everyone thought that Pittsburgh was really going to make a deep run here in the NHL playoffs. And unless Sidney Crosby's molestache can figure it out here soon, I don't know what they're going to do. So it looks like Pittsburgh's going to have an early exit, which I have no problem with. Who likes the Penguins anyway? I kind of like the Penguins, actually. He does. I, of course you do. <laughs> of course you like the Penguins. But a couple games going on right now. Rangers are playing Ottawa. Puck just dropped about eight minutes ago. And the Bruins are taking on the Washington Capitals. They'll also have the St. Louis Blues in San Jose have the late game. That'll be at 10 p.m. tonight. Again, your Detroit Red Wings will face off on Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. against Nashville at the Joe. Hopefully looking to even even the series out here and get uh, and really just get on a nice note to heading back to Nashville. Uh, Megan, do you want to maybe uh, tell the world about uh, NASCAR this weekend? I'm sure everyone would like to hear it. Oh, yes. I'm sure they enjoy every time I do this. Um, yeah, last uh, was yesterday, right? Yes. Yeah, yesterday. They were in Texas. Um, good old Texas. I mean, what can you say about that? Um, Greg Biffle was our winner, uh, with Jimmy Johnson second, Mark Martin third, Jeff Gordon fourth, Matt Kenseth fifth. Um, there were two cautions. That's it? That's it. Shocking. Three laps for the shocking. first one. Shocking. It is. Shocking. It is. Three for the first one, five for the second one. 18 lead changes. Margin of victory was over three seconds, which actually is quite a lot for NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, Biffle must have just had it. I don't know. Biffle had it on? Biffle had it, I guess. I mean, I was watching it because I, I did catch a little bit of it. And, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was like an 11th or something, and he finished 10th. So um, I'll give you, well, next next week we'll be, they'll be at Kansas uh, for the STP 400 at 12.30 p.m. So that's next Sunday. Okay. Um, standings right now, I'll give you the top five for those in the Sprint Cup Series. Uh, Greg Biffle in first. I guess it makes sense. He won the last one. Um, he was close for, for the whole entire time anyway. Mm-hmm. I think he was one or two. Matt Kenseth in second. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in third. Martin Truex Jr. in fourth. And Kevin Harvick in fifth. And right now, I mean, they're maybe a quarter of the way through the season. This, season, this is the longest season ever. It's very long. It goes from February to November. That's so, every NASCAR season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying it. Like it's Compared to other seasons, long. like other sports mm-hmm. seasons, though... Like, 
Oh, yeah. Goes a long it's time. One of the longest. They get like two months off and then they go straight back into it. And then it's Daytona. And then it's Daytona. Yeah, then, then they start Daytona with the biggest race of the kicks year. Daytona off, kicks off their season, which they love to do. So you said uh, next week with races again, where? Kansas. Kansas, and you said 12.30 Sunday? 12.30 p.m. 12.30 p.m. Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to see if Dale Earnhardt Jr. can finally get a win. I hope so. We will see. He's my favorite. Well, we're going to go on to more important racing, the more... The better race. Oh, okay. Indie car. You are so biased. Indie car. Okay? <laughs> I am biased. You are. I've watched enough NASCAR to give it enough credit. Oh, come on. You watch like two races a I've year. I've watched... Well, now I do, but I used to watch more races. Uh, I used to... I had family and friends that used to watch more races. I gave it a good college try. And then I stopped. <laughs> uh-huh. But we're going to talk about Indie car real fast. Actually, I won't talk about it. Mr. Steve Shedlock will enlighten our uh, IndyCar fans out there with a few tidbits from this weekend at Long Beach. Well, real quick, I did want to mention that the NASCAR race was actually Saturday night. I know people drink a lot during those, sometimes confuse the day, but it was Saturday night, everybody. Saturday night race? Yep. As for IndyCar, uh, Will Power won this week, second win in a row. Um, Chevy Engine, they've been dominating the series against Honda for all you fans of the domestic automobile companies. Um, Simone Pagano was second. James Hinchcliffe was third. Um, The next race is going to be in Sao Paulo, Brazil. But real quick, I wanted to get a plug-in for the Detroit Grand Prix, which will be taking place June 1st to June 3rd on Belle Isle. Friday, June 1st, is going to be free pre-day. Everything is free, except for food and everything that's not free. But most of it's free. <laughs> but go, go on down to Belle Isle. You get excellent views of downtown Detroit from the island. Cars will be whipping around. Paddock access, meet some drivers. Good time for the family. No, oh, sounds great. Thank you very much for that. Uh, it was a great race this weekend at Long Beach. A uh, pretty wild crash involving Marco Andretti. Um, got into the back uh, tire of uh, Graham Ray Hall, and good thing his car did not flip over because it had a good chance. It almost flipped It over. almost flipped over, which could have killed Marco. So good thing that he was uh, completely safe there. Uh, but it's just a great street course, and even after Chevy got penalized about 10 spots for each driver due to their engine change, they still came out with eight of the top 10 finishes that race it's by far the best engine in the series chevy's got it down uh real fast going back just the nhl thing you know people were complaining about this twenty five hundred dollar fine with shea weber the bigger problem is a that's a collective bargaining agreement so let's not get angry that that's just it is what it is they couldn't find him any more than that uh uh, uh shea weber does make seven and a half million dollars this year so pretty much less than a parking ticket um in his world <laughs> for the type of fine he had but the real thing is, if you want to look at fines around the NHL, you know what the biggest fines are for? They're not for hitting people. Hmm. They're for criticizing NHL officiating. Oh, jeez. And New York Rangers coach knows it best. He got fined $30,000 this year, John Tortella, on uh, January 2nd, 2012. $30,000 just for criticizing. Sounds fair. 2500 for smashing a guy's head into the uh, glass. Doesn't sound as fair. Doesn't sound as fair, does it? So let's not blame. We can't. It's that's the rule. You change collective bargaining agreement, and then we can maybe have these guys have a little more uh, strong fines. This season alone, though, Brendan Shanahan has been extremely busy. Already 48, uh, 47 players suspended this preseason through this postseason. A total of 109, 169 total games suspended. And that is up a nine from last year and up another nine from the previous year. So we're seeing suspensions increasingly get higher and higher. Doesn't seem to be stopping anybody. The Detroit Pistons only have six games left here in the regular season. Had a tough week last week. Got uh, an absolute route. Got destroyed by Orlando on Monday night, 119-89. to Then came back to beat the dismal Charlotte Bobcats, 109-85 to on the road. Lost to the Bucks again, losing by, 17, uh, losing by 16 here in this game. And then losing to Chicago in a tough, tough game in overtime, 100-94. to With six games left in the season, Steve, what should we look forward here to the Pistons in the future? Well, I think at this point you want to hope for them to lose games to get as high of a draft pick as possible. But if you're watching games, pay attention to Ben Wallace. He says it's going to be his last year. Frankly, I don't believe him. But I would watch and enjoy you know, one of the best players the Pistons have ever had for the last six games. Without a doubt, my favorite Piston of all time, Ben Wallace. And hopefully he decides to put off law school. <laughs> hey. He better. <laughs> he better. Come on, just one more one year, more Ben. Year. One more year, Ben. Ben's having a great season. I think there's no reason that he can't get this done. 
Uh, Steve, I want to thank you a lot for having the show, and I know you had one last thing you wanted to let our uh, let all of our listeners know. We're, one, we're running really low on time here, but all I wanted to say is it's great to talk about sports, it's great to watch sports, but go out and play sports. we got a lot of good Michigan weather coming up. You're going to have six full months. Play catch with your dad, play catch with your son, play catch with the guy across the street. Go outside, <laughs> have fun, you know. I agree. Get out there, kids. Let's get off the Blackberries, the Facebook, and get outside where the real world exists. But I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to tonight's show. We'll have a brand new show for you next week. Uh, We'll talk Lions draft, more Tigers news for you. Hopefully the Red Wings are still in the playoffs. Uh, We'll have a lot to get to. But for everyone here at the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Frankie. And I'm Megan. And I'm Steve A-Rod Jr. Shedlock. A-Rod Jr. is going to be gone. Asian Invasion's up next. Don't miss it. Have a great one, guys. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.